It's Fire Away Friday. Fire Away Friday. On Exploring the Word, this is your chance to ask us your Bible question. You can email your question at word at AFR.net or visit Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. Exploring the Word. It's Fire Away Friday on American Family Radio. Well, good afternoon and welcome. I'm Jim Stanley alongside Brother Bert Harper and Dr. Alex McFarland. I almost promoted Bert and was going to call him Dr. Bert Harper. And you were going to be Brother Alex McFarland, but I got that straightened out. That's what that little pause was there. When I was pastoring here in Tupelo, there's you know some larger churches and uh, doctors were at each one of them. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm the only brother in town. And uh, <laughs> so anyway, Brother Bert has... I'm talking about the first church all the way through now. Mm-hmm. It's Brother Burt, never Brother Harper. Right. I, I could count on my hand the number of people that call me Brother Harper. Yeah. It's just Brother Burt or Burt. That's, that's well, who I am, man. You, you know, my nephew, Benjamin, who is now grown up and married, we're very proud of him, but Angie and I had the privilege of being heavily involved in the raising of a niece and a nephew, and uh, Benjamin was, I don't know, six years old, and a little friend was over and said, isn't your uncle a doctor? And Benjamin said, yes, but not the kind that can do you any good. <laughs> <laughs> That's humbling. I know. I was like, <laughs> Nathan, so. uh, our oldest son at Helps on Exploring Missions, he had a friend named Kevin. And uh, so he got to know Kevin. Kevin would visit our house, and we'd, I'd take Nathan over there, and he'd call me Mr. Burt. Yeah. Know? And then he and his family started coming to to the church where I was pastoring, and I became Mr. Brother Burt. Mr. Brother Burt. Yeah, right on. You know, it's it's fun, isn't it? Well, you know, (laughs) in talking about kids and and both of you and and talking about how you've been around different children, I have a children's question. Wasn't it uh, Linkletter? That Art, had Art kids, Art, yes. kids say the darndest thing. Art Linklater. All right, so here you go. This is from Brad, and he listens to us daily. And his seven-year-old daughter asked a question that he didn't know the answer to. If God is father, then who is mother? <laughs> now, he said he didn't know how to explain that, and I get that. But it, it that's one of those questions that you're just like, Huh. So, which one of you guys want to go first? First, I want to say you better be careful how you answer that. That's right. right. uh, Let me just say this. uh, The Trinity made up of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And uh, the Father, when he is described in the Bible, Mm -hmm. he is always referred to as Father. But his attributes are different. He Mm -hmm. has those masculine attributes attributes, but he also has the motherly or attributes Mm -hmm. like a, I mean, like a mother with a nursing child. That's Mm -hmm. more than one or two places. It talks about him being like an eagle, and it's a mother eagle that does that, that pushes her eaglets out of the nest, you know? So no mother, but a father Mm -hmm. who can uh, serve well with those kind of characteristics that is needed. Now, would a seven-year-old girl get that? Alex, do you think they would? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, maybe. But, you know, um, father, when we think of a father and a mother, we think of uh, a couple that 
you know, procreates and has children. But God is father also in the sense of being, here's a big 85-cent word, sovereign. I mean, uh, the creator of the universe, the the ruler of the universe. And, of course, we know that by the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there's so much about the nature of God. But um, just because the Bible uses the term father, um, that doesn't necessarily mean there has to be mother in the human sense because God within himself, you're right, he has the powerful attributes of omnipotence, but he has the loving, nurturing attributes that we might associate with a, a female. Although God has revealed himself to us, not as a female, but as God the Father. Mm -hmm. But because the Trinity is self-existent, complete, God doesn't lack anything. See, when God created Adam, and Bert and I talk about this frequently, the fall had not happened yet, and yet there was something less than ideal. Mm -hmm. It is not good that man would be alone. We are incomplete without God. And in terms of our adult life, God said a man needs a woman, a helpmate. But God doesn't lack anything, so God didn't need a wife. Well, and and I'm glad you brought up Adam and Eve because I was going to follow up with the next part of how does this reflect in the garden. You know, because when God created man, he said, let us create man in our own image. And then he caused a deep sleep to come on Adam because he had said it's not good that man should be alone. So he took part of his creation and created Eve. And so when we look at it, our lineage doesn't does not come straight from God. God entrusted that lineage to Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. And you guys correct me if I'm wrong there. But in doing that, our parentage from God the Father actually took place because of the adoption that he paid for through the blood of his son. Mm. And so I think, it, you know, if we look back at the, at the garden, then we see that, you know, uh, yes, God is our heavenly father. I want to be very clear about that. There's absolutely no doubt. And because of his gift of the son, we have the hope of eternal life through him. But if we look at it just in, in broken down terms, if you will, it was his creation and the ongoing of that creation that actually allowed us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, uh, it takes male and female, Adam and Eve, to demonstrate most of the attributes of God. Mm-hmm. Left to Adam alone, the masculine and what do they call it, toxic masculinity oh these days, you know. Uh, you know, man, they'd have trouble with John Wayne, wouldn't they? Yeah. And, uh, but, uh, you know, sadly. this toxic masculinity that they want to talk about, it is the strength and it is the female that comes along. And, and I agree, balances that, in the, yeah. especially in the home. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I know this. <clears throat> it's kind of like Dragnet, Joe Friday, just the facts, ma'am. Uh, men tend to... Uh, lean on facts just alone, and then the female, the mother, many times raising those children, has intuition that, I'll just put it this way, I don't know how in the world they know things that they know, figure out before it happens. Oh, yeah. And and when I think of what you're saying, uh, Jim, Mm -hmm. it is true. You know, you have that male and female in the garden, and uh, you see 
much of the attributes of God being given to them in the image. I heard one preacher say, said, yeah, we're in the image of God, but more in reality, we're in the image of Adam. And there's yeah. some, there's a lot of truth in that. Yeah. We are in the image of God. I understand that. We mm-hmm. man was, but we also, we were procreated in the image of Adam. And uh, so, you know, that it and, is, uh, I'd see why a seven-year-old would ask that question right. and scratch his head. And I understand this father scratching his head and say, how do I answer that? Yeah, you know? Brad, I'm not sure we helped at all on that, <laughs> but we gave it our best shot. Um, and, you know, guys, as, as we do these questions and answers, it's one of those things that we want to be as careful as we can to give the best answer we can. And if someone disagrees with us, that's fine. We're not perfect. We're all men. Uh, we're all broken by sin. And we've all repented and do our best to live for God. But, you know, sometimes folks don't agree with us on things. And so I have one where someone didn't agree with us on things. Well, let me just tell you, I used to, when I preached, I, I said this jokingly. I said, you can disagree with me because you have the privilege of being wrong. That's right. I, you know, I was, I, you know, that's me. That's Everybody right. Everybody say, oh, Brother Bert, you and Alex are so kind and everything. And I said, praise the Lord for the Holy Spirit. That's amen. all I got to say. Well, amen. <laughs> so somebody disagreed with us. Somebody disagreed with us. Well, we, we're teachable. and Sometimes we. Well, we try to be for sure. Yeah. But this is one of those things that some Christians today, they don't believe we should be tithing. They don't believe that Christians are called to tithe. They believe that was an Old Testament principle and that Jesus doesn't say anything about that as it's carried over into the New Testament. So, but that's not actually the case. Now, I'm going to let you guys answer this because y'all have much deeper thoughts on this than I do. But, I mean, you know, Jesus gave a fish a coin so that he could pay the taxes. And I believe Mm -hmm. in that. He said, yield unto man what is man's and unto God what is God's. So if there wasn't some principle of giving to God and giving to the church, then I don't believe Jesus would have said that. Yeah. All right. Who's up? Well, you know, in Acts chapter 5, Ananias and, and <laughs> Sapphira, um, they were severely punished, capital punishment, mm-hmm. in fact, when they lied about their giving. And I've heard it said that a Christian under grace should at least do as much as a Jewish person under law. You know, the tithing you read in Malachi chapter 3 about bringing the tithe into the storehouse. Now, um, the gospel is free, but it takes resources to share that gospel. And and I think two principles that, that we can pull out, there, there is not a verse in the New Testament that says, thou shalt tithe. Right. However, you do see in the book of Acts that, that voluntary giving, and it says they held all things in common. Uh, if anything, the giving of the early church in the book of Acts was like 100%. So to the caller, I would say, you're right. We don't see 10% giving. We see 100% giving. Mm-hmm. And then and you read um, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, Paul says that we are not our own. We're bought with a price. In other words, all that we have and all that we are is owned by God. So I would say that, um, honestly, tithing would be for the Christian the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. It would be tithing and more. 
And in fact, um, some of the Christians that I know of, I know at NRB, we often interview uh, Barry McGuire, who's got a car wax business. Yeah, he's a good guy. He he's is. a amen. That joy is that <laughs> that guy. He is such a joyful Christian. Um, I think of some of the people that I know that God has incredibly prospered them. Look, tithing was a hundred miles back. Mm-hmm. They're more many, many, many times over that. So I think um, to honor God, to show that we're stewards, not owners, and certainly to fund the work of the church and the work of the gospel, um, a a Christian now in the church age should at least tithe and much, much more. Yeah, You know, Jesus in Matthew 23 talked about the Pharisees. Woe to those Pharisees who tithe on mint and everything else to the nth degree. You know what Jesus said? said, these things you should have done but not left the others undone. Amen. Jesus verified tithing in the New Testament. These things you should have done. What was one of those? Tithe Mm -hmm. but not left the others undone, the things of the heart. So when you read that, I don't see how any other way that Jesus did qualify tithing in the New Testament. Yeah. And uh, I agree with everything that Alex said on that, but um, I I think that is a uh, false. Uh, I, the person that disagreed with us, right? Uh, read Matthew 23 and mm. see what that says. And the other part is if we've done this under law, what should we do under grace? Well, and mm. I want to expand on something Alex said just a moment ago and, and revisit that. Because I knew uh, I've, I've known some businessmen, you know, over the years as well. And so I want to come back to that and just do a follow up as Exploring the Word continues here on AFR. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Let me go down, down, down in history as another blood faithful member of. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. I'm Jim Stanley, along with Dr. Alex McFarland and Brother Bert Harper. I was waiting for that last part of that right there. It's hard to interrupt and then not get to everybody but Jesus. That's right. You know? (laughs) And so that... When we talked about that before, where we were talking about giving our answers and trying to give the best answers that we could, it's simply because we are nobody. You know, uh, now I say that that's not false humility. Uh, I had a pastor one time that just said, we're dead men walking. Oh, yeah. You know, exactly. um, And so if this also brings us back to the 100 percent which is what you were talking about a minute, a few minutes ago. I knew a gentleman had a very successful business in Oklahoma, and he started out giving 10% from his business. Then he went to 20%, 30%, and got to where he was giving 90% to the Lord and running his business off the other 10%. Mm. And he's still an incredibly successful businessman. We talked about it this a little yesterday where you can't outgive God. Yeah. But, Alex, when you were talking about the 100%, in that time, the, when the church came together, they brought everything, you know, and not just money, but grain and other things yeah. so that they could help 
take care of each other. Did, did you all ever happen to hear of a, of a man named R.G. Letourneau? Yeah. My mother— Heavy equipment. Uh, he was the guy that produced it and invented a bunch of it. Oh, he did. My mother got me this book years and years ago called Moving Heaven and Earth, the story of R.G. Letourneau. And think about this. In the Depression— uh, he borrowed $15,000 and went bankrupt. So he borrowed uh, another fifteen or 20000 to try to start some business, went bankrupt. Mm. So he was like $26,000 in debt in the middle of the Depression. And I think that's a lot of money now, but in the Depression, goodness, that would have been just unthinkable. And he and his wife were praying, and he said, God wants us to give 90 and live on 10%. Mm. And you think about it. He's underwater already, and it's the depression. But he, Letourneau heavy equipment or whatever it was, he invented all these big earth movers that are so used today. Well, anyway, he died a billionaire. And I mean, and he said, "You cannot outgive mm. God." Gave copious amounts of money to world missions, and and let me say this: when the Bible says, "Honor the Lord with thy substance," um, sometimes we get calls about people. Uh, I'm a Christian, but I'm in a financial struggle. How do I get out of it? And I want to challenge everybody. Um, Trust the Lord, pray about it, but as you begin to trust God with your finances and, and you become a tither and more, and, and I know we don't give to get. We, we give because it's the right thing to do mm-hmm. to show that Jesus owns us. But I will tell you, God will bless you. And, and I, Angie and I, when we got married, uh, she was finishing nursing school. I was entering seminary at Liberty. Every nickel we could get our hands on went to college tuition. And guys, think about this. It's coming up on 27 years ago, and I give God the glory. Uh, and, and by the way, if you need to lose a lot of money and you need to lose it fast, uh, start a chicken farm. <laughs> because, and I love my mother and dad, rest their soul, but Angie and I, at the time we were newlyweds and I was in seminary, mom and dad were about $700,000 in debt mm. and in their 70s. And so my dad, he really wanted to get out of debt before he died, and he didn't quite make it. But 27 years ago, Angie and I had $58 in the world and the shirt on our back. And a Chevy with 200,000 miles. And I was a youth pastor making about $12,000 a year. Mm-hmm. In Now, 27 years, and guys, I'll be the first to tell you the Lord has done it, not us. But we've preached on five continents, written 18 books, buried my mom and dad, and paid those funerals, and got them out of debt. And to my knowledge always tithed and more. And I'm going to tell you, there's times it was a major step of faith when you've got $100 and you owe $100 and yet tithing would put you under that. I'm I'm living proof. If you give to God with a spoon, he'll give it back with a shovel. Mm. Amen. And and so so trust God and watch God prosper you. I, I honestly think God God will entrust us with as much as He thinks we can handle. And on the flip side of that, 
I also want to be, this is, we, we don't want to insult anyone. Mm-hmm. But just like you said, we're not talking about give to get. Mm-hmm. We're not looking at a prosperity gospel right. here. We know that we will prosper in the Lord if we're faithful to his word. And we know that he has been faithful to those who serve him. You know, we could die broke but die rich in the Lord. Amen. And it, Amen. it will have been successful. Are you talking about Lazarus? Uh, uh, a little at the bit. rich man's table? Okay. Yeah. I, I thought it sounded Just familiar. Just sounded familiar, sounded didn't familiar. it? Yeah. And so we, we're not teaching a prosperity gospel. That's not what we're saying. But we are saying that it really is important to follow the, the example and the teachings of Jesus Christ. Amen. And when you look at what, what he did, you know— it doesn't record that Jesus left a last will and testament to break down a lot of pennies or to break down, you know, millions of dollars. But what he did do was he's made sure that his mother was cared for. Amen. You know, from the cross, when he told John, John, this is your mother, and Mary, this is your son, he passed that responsibility, not even to his brothers. But our half brothers, however that breaks down, you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yes. But that he made sure his mom was going to be taken care of, just like you said, you made sure your mom and dad's debts that they were cleared. And so, we really do mean give everything. Now, one more question about tithing, and this isn't about money. What about tithing of your time? Mm, okay. Uh, let me go first. I, I really have looked at that. Most of the things we do, we list vertically. Okay, God first, uh, you know, family or your wife, children, mm-hmm. work, you know. I think we got to – we don't live that way. We live horizontally. God is over everything. And so I came up with this when Jan and I do our, our retreats and our conferences. Don't do it every time but many times. Uh, you know, I say, you know, list all your priorities vertically. But I said, what God wants to do, God is up here, and you list everything else horizontally. God is over all of it. Listen, the time that you spend with your family is as important as the yeah. time you spend worshiping the Lord, if you mm-hmm. do it is under the mm-hmm. Lord. Now, you shouldn't rob one. You should do it as under the Lord. And God's laid it out seven days a week, seven, mm-hmm. you know, and on the seventh, you should rest. It's yeah. a day of worship. And uh, But I, I love that little saying. It says it's a long week from Sunday to Sunday, and it tends to make you weak, W-E-A-K. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you know, sure, that's the sure. reason it came up with prayer prayer meeting. I, I, and I like right. that, you know. So what you do is uh, it is true. I, I don't think you tithe your time. That's just Bert, I yeah. think it's your. I don't think you tithe your talents. I think it's a money thing. Your your talents uh, and your time, they're the Lord's, one hundred percent all the time. No matter you know. And if you can't do the job that you're called to do, and is it being under the Lord, uh, you might need to look for other jobs. And I mm. see a lot of places said now hiring so i think you might could find that's one right. that would honor the lord you know i want to throw this in there an, an area where um i i think i was in disobedience and that was not resting and taking a day off taking a sabbath you know and i would 
sure, on su- every Sunday I'm in church somewhere, but I would work on the computer and stuff, and Angie would say, you're supposed to take a day of rest. And for me, it was really a discipline thing, and I did get under conviction that I wasn't really making Sunday a day of rest. Jim, I know you know music very well. Who did that song, I Will Not Offer Something That Costs Me Nothing? Oh, do you remember that? I do. It was a great contemporary Christian song based on David. I will not give my yeah. Lord something that costs me nothing. You know what? You you do this to me, and I do have a knowledge of music. You do. But brother, you have a depth that I'm not. I do remember the song. It's a great song. I, and notice I'm know, out of this conversation. Right. Y'all go right ahead. <laughs> but, but, you know, it, for, it, seems, it seems like maybe that was an early Gaither song or maybe even the Happy Goodmans. Yeah, yeah. that sounds like what Vesta would sing. Exactly. Oh, And, and Raver Handkerchief. Right that's right. Then. Hey, folks, if you want to be blessed, listen to some Vestal Goodman. But um, for me to shut down and honestly unplug on Sunday was a little bit of a sacrifice, and I had to discipline myself. And I'm just talking about um, me. I, I was disobeying the Lord in not ever taking a break. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I I really had to pray about. And sometimes, whether it's your financial giving or the way you manage your time, John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, he he coached his Timothys. He said, "Am uh, are you going to bed on time and getting up on time?" I mean, that was one of his things. That and Wesley warned. Uh, backsliddenness sometimes starts with how well you do or don't manage your time. Mm. And that was something I had to pray about. But you know what? Whether it's financial giving or the discipline of of time, the discipline of taking a Sabbath and resting, um, we have to show that we really are under the lordship and ownership of of Christ. Well, and now I'm I'm certainly not making excuses for you. You're a grown man, but for you to take off on a Sunday is a deliberate decision because you feel so many pulpits. And you're the one that people are looking at to feed them, you know, be it a conference, be it filling a pulpit. So for you, it's almost like you, you know, like preachers usually take Monday off to go play golf and everything. I could see your day of rest being a Monday more so. (laughs) Exactly. And I'm always fiddling with email or reading or something. And Angie would tell me and some godly friends, they said, Alex, one of the one day a week, you're going to have to take a day of rest, which it, it's a struggle sometimes. Yeah. Is so, it steward? Let's let's go back to the real issue, and it's stewardship. It is. Uh, it's the stewardship of everything you mm-hmm. have, and our lives does consist of finances. It consists of time. It consists of family of of your e- you know economic income, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. And we're to be stewards of that, and that word means managers, mm-hmm. and we're to give it as unto the Lord, and we're to manage it well. Jesus would pull away from the crowds to be alone with his disciples, and then he would pull away from the disciples just, just to be alone with God. God. Yeah. And I, I think that is a model. Well, I've heard it said, this is not original with me, but we all have, everybody has time talent, treasure, and testimony. Time, we all have 168 hours in the week. Uh, we have some skills and abilities, our talents. We have some substance, our treasure, and we have our influence. And and let me say this too, that um, God gives every believer some strengths and spiritual gifts 
that we do have to use for the body of the church. There may be some of you, and remember, God owns everything. Mm-hmm. God owns all of us, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. Maybe if you've got a voice and you've got musical ability, and it will be some work, but you're supposed to be in the choir and serve your church in that way. Maybe you have great administrative ability and you could serve on a committee. Uh, maybe you have teaching ability and you can help with Sunday school or Bible study. And maybe you, you have influence. And and I honestly think, uh, and Bert and I have talked, there's a book years ago called Others May, mm-hmm. You Cannot. Right. Our testimony for Christ, our influence, that's something we have to steward as well. And yeah. I, and I'm not a legalist. I'm not a legalist. But, you know, one of the things we have to be mindful of, people are watching. Yeah, absolutely. Have you ever I'll heard of use it or lose it? Yeah. Uh, I think that's true. Use use your voice, yeah. whatever it is. Use your talents. Use it or lose it. Uh, we were never made to be put on a shelf. Right. Uh, yeah. We really were not. Now, here's the thing, and I've heard it, and i and pastoring for over 40 years, I believe it, 80%. Twenty uh, percent of the people do eighty percent of the right. work. Uh, oh, I remember and, that. And listen, it ought to be. Uh, I love those churches that say, "If you join us, uh, they give them a job to do." And yeah. honestly, it sh- I, the membership might dwindle, but yeah. I think we'd be better off because it's just something wrong with some of the people. What we all ask them to do. You just talking about tithing. Uh, some of those people, they would have to, if they tithe, quote, their time, they'd have to pull back. Yeah. Because they're giving more than. More than. And so. Well, and I think it's important, too. A moment ago, Alex said, people are watching. And earlier we were talking about the Brad's daughter, you know, and, and how to explain things to her. We need to remember that they are watching. You remember the chorus, oh, be careful little ears what you hear. Be careful little eyes what you see. Yeah. Be careful little feet where you go. Amen. You know, because the Father up above is looking down with love. So be careful, little feet, where you go. Beautiful. Big feet, too, right? Big feet, too, absolutely. <laughs> and so though, I really like how this discussion branched out because you covered some really great points. Now, one thing you mentioned, Bert, is that you taught some stuff from a conference. And now we talk often about how Alex – which is alexmcfarland.com, alexmcfarland.com. God bless and you. You can get Alex to come to town. But you and Jan do a series of meetings as well, and those are at repairingthefoundations.net. Or they can call here at headquarters and ask to speak to me, and I'll try to return the call, and we'll set it up. Our conference consists of what I should have done, and Jan shares what she wished I'd have done. It makes a great <laughs> conference. More for Exploring the Word straight ahead on AFR.
during the break, we were enjoying some memories talking about Vestal Goodman, the Goodmans, and some others. And that was Vestal Goodman for you here on American Family Radio's Exploring the Word. Jim Stanley along with Dr. Alex McFarland and Brother Bert Harper. Well, guys, when we think about music and we think about the ministry of the Goodmans and we think of the ministry of some others like the Imperials, you know, the... Um, Heaven, heaven Bound and oh, some yeah. of those. Uh, they had an incredible ministry over the years, Gold City, mm. you know, Midnight Cry. So when we're, since we're thinking about music, I have one for you here. Okay. So the listener talks about they've attended concerts and they've experienced excellent music, not only here in the States, but abroad as well. In Revelation... It talks about some musical instruments, and it talks about some worship, and it talks about the celebration. So here you go. You ready? Some Christian songs refer to us joining the angels singing Holy in the Lord. And this sing-along scenario, is this sing-along scenario scripturally bound? And the listener says he sure hopes so. (laughs) There's one thing, and Jan, my wife, wants it too. I cannot hit the right note for anything. Fortunately, I you'll be transfigured. I'm praying <laughs> that when I get to heaven, that he'll let me in the heavenly choir. Mm. Uh, I, and I'm, I'm not trying to be funny or trite. I am serious. I love it. Uh, you know, I can't. I got this big voice. And so as bad as I sing, I have to hold back. I yeah, really do. Right. It, it'd be horrible for people in front or beside, and I have to hold back. I honestly believe people say, well, there's nowhere in the Bible where the angels sing. Uh, Luke some, chapter 2. Some of their sayings has to be put to music. Yeah. It, it's kind of like poetry. Yeah. Uh, like it is well with my soul. Yeah. When he wrote that, it was just poetry, you know? But then they put it to music. Yeah. I, I believe the angels put the words to music, and mm-hmm. we'll join them. Well, you know, in Isaiah 12, 2, and Isaiah was written about 750 B.C., but Isaiah 12, 2 says, The Lord Almighty is my strength, my salvation, and my song. I will trust and not be afraid. And one of the beautiful things that um, in heaven, yes, we will sing, and our song will be Jesus. And maybe in our glorified body, uh, we'll all have a singing voice. Now, some have it already here, you know, mm-hmm. but um, maybe the, a great voice is going to be part of what it is to be in that glorified body. Um, I always loved, um, and I think this is, I love to tell the story, um, Great, a great song in the old hymn book, but it says, And when in scenes of glory I sing the new, new song, t'will be the same old story that I've loved so long, the story of Jesus and his love. Mm-hmm. Do you know what? I was reading a, a sociology book of all things. It was talking about world religions. It's interesting. There are Tibetan monks. There are Islamic imams. There are Hindus and Buddhists. And this secular sociology book said, oddly enough, really the only musical religion is Christianity. Mm. And I thought, yeah, because we're the only ones that have something worth singing about. (laughs) I I mean, now now you think about this, that um, Christianity, and I know even a lot of pop music is derived from gospel, but 
um, the arts came out of the church. Mm-hmm. They really did. There were what in the Middle Ages were called morality plays, but they were really Bible plays, Old Testament Bible plays. One of the first songs ever written uh, that we sing today is in Latin, Adesti Fidelis, 1,600 years ago. You probably know that song as, O Come All Ye Faithful. Mm. Um, Christianity has given the world the most beloved music uh, so much of classical music. Okay, I've done, I don't know how many weddings. Virtually always they play Canon in D by Johann Pachelbel. Do you know what that was? That was simply incidental music for while they took up the offering. Hmm. And yet one of the most incredibly iconic pieces of music. So Christianity is a musical belief system because we of all people have something worth singing and shouting over a risen Savior. Colossians and Ephesians both talks about making music, psalms, hymns, Mm -hmm. and spiritual songs. And uh, we got into the worship wars years ago, and it's still a little bit going on. And everybody would come to me, and I'd say, I want to tell you, if God wanted us to sing just one kind, he wouldn't have listed three psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Mm -hmm. There's some variety in there. And uh, listen, I, I'm no expert, and I say that, but each culture has, has a way of expression musically. Uh, you've been to foreign countries. I've been to foreign countries, and one of the most greatest times of worship I've ever had was in Honduras. I was there on a, on a mission trip. I was preaching, and there's some doing medical but one night, we went to this local, small church, no lights, just lanterns, and the guitarist was up there, and you had Spanish, you had some English. We were all singing Amazing Grace mm. with that guitar, and it was, I, I, you can use the word transported while you want to. I was transported into the idea of worshiping him mm. before the throne. And listen, music has a way. It does not uh, supersede the preaching of the Word, but it should enhance the preaching of the Word. Right. I, I know what it is to preach after music that was just so blah and, and everybody half-hearted singing, and you get up there and you, okay, Lord, it's you, it's you, because it's all about Him. But after some music that's been great and presented in such a way, man, I, I'm, I'm preaching from the overflow. Amen. If the music yeah. does it right and the pastor is ready, the preacher is ready, and he's studied and he's prayed, it's, it's, you can go up there ready and preach from the overflow. That's the power of the music that God's given us. Well, you know, having experiences like that, it's almost worth going back and finding an amazing grace or another song to bring everybody back together. Because if if folks have had a quote-unquote bad worship series, then they're not going to be listening for the gospel. And you're absolutely right. I think music is supposed to enhance because when we come to worship, it should be a total immersion of worship, both in song and in the word. Now, Bert, I have hope for you. 
Okay? <laughs> In fact, you'll like this. There is a Southern Gospel song, and it's it's an old guy, and he comes out to the Antioch Church Choir, and he tries out every year, and they never let him in. And so the chorus says, please let me sing in the choir in the choir. Please let me sing in the choir. One old man can't be all that bad. Please let me sing in the choir. That was and in the honor of me. That's right. And then um, uh, one day the tryouts came around and he wasn't there. And they were like, well, where is he? What's going on? And then a booming voice came down from heaven, said, now I've found a choir that'll let me sing. And so, Hallelujah. heavenly it, choir. It, Amen. I, I, I'm, you know, I have fun with it because yeah. God's done what he's done in my life and with this big voice that I have. But listen, appreciation of those that can produce music with their voice or with an instrument mm-hmm. Listen, I they do it as under the Lord. That's right. Know it that you are blessing people like Bert Harper. One more thing I want to say about music. Uh, I read a book why men hate going to church. We can make music so complicated. You know, you know the steps. You guys are musical. You guys can do it. But there are some people out there like me that if it's you need at least one simple song mm-hmm. in every worship service that somebody like Bert Harper can go away and get it. I can't care the tune, but it's in my brain, and I repeat the words. Yeah. Give them something that they'll take away. That's one of the reasons I believe that hymns are so important. Now, you know, you were talking about worship wars a little bit ago. We have the 7-Eleven songs where it's seven words, and they're repeated 11 times. You know, there is a place for some of that. But in your worship, if you, if you are a music leader and you're planning out worship, there should be at least one hymn. Mm-hmm. And it can be a new hymn. It doesn't, I mean, you think about in Christ alone. Now, it's 20-plus years old now, but that's a solid hymn that can be sung well, in the church. Was that the Gettys? That was the Gettys, yeah. yes, sir. Who, who we've had on this show right. before. And are you fine like it as well? Or you go back and maybe you just simply sing Amazing Grace because there are different hymns that can be used for different services that really are meant to draw everybody together. Uh, folks, get yourself a, a good old hymn book and look up Fanny Crosby. Yes, sir. <laughs> Am I right? Yes, sir. Oh, my. And the words are profound. You know, I mean, some of those hymn writers, and um, I know— there's a tendency to like what's always new and modern, but um, wouldn't we be poorer for it to not avail ourselves to the wisdom mm-hmm. of those, you know, Fanny Crosby and Isaac Watts and the Wesleys? Was, that's I was going to say, Charles Wesley yeah. and his brother. Yeah, and um, in the 20th century, do you remember there was a hymn writer, John W. Peterson, mm-hmm. that, and of course the Gaithers, it took more modern, but and this is unique to Christianity. It really, really is. And I know we didn't plan this, but um, only Christianity has an empty tomb. Mm-hmm. Only Christianity has a Bible that has fulfilled prophecy. I remember um, I was in grad school, and this one professor said, "You search the 
religious writings of the world for even one line of fulfilled prophecy, and you'll come up empty-handed. And Christianity has a Bible that tells us the future, and it's come together from the regathering of Israel to everything. And so we've got a song to sing. Um, Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. He took (laughs) me out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and did what in my heart? A new song in my heart. Thank you, I'm Jesus. glad you said that because here's what I want to do. We've talked about a lot about singing. We've talked about singing here on earth as well as in heaven. What about somebody that doesn't have that song? What if somebody doesn't understand what it means when you say Christians have something to sing about? Mm. You know, so when as, as you think about that, tell us. If someone's listening that doesn't know the joy of knowing Jesus Christ, how they can find that. Wow. Well, folks, you are listening to this radio show today because God Almighty loves you and wants a relationship with you. And no matter who you are, no matter what your journey has been, no matter what you've done or what's been done to you, believe it. I beg of you, believe what we're telling you. God loves you. And we often say this on the show, Bert and I will say, Jesus is as close by as a prayer. And here's how you can know. And if you'll just hear me for this one minute and then take it to heart. Guys, I would stake everything I've ever done on the reality of what I'm about to say. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. That proves that he is the Son of God. And on Calvary's cross, he paid all of our sins. But now what you need to do is appropriate that forgiveness to yourself. And here's how you do it. You say, Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner. Lord, I do believe that you love me. And I believe Jesus is the Son of God and he died for me. I accept that as the payment for my sins. Now listen, I want you to pray this prayer. And I promise you on the authority of the Word of God, This is what God will do. He will save you. Say something like this, just silently but sincerely to to the Lord. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I am sorry for my sins, but I believe Jesus died for me, and I repent. I turn from sin, and the best way I know how, I put my faith in you. So please save me. Come into my life. And wash my sin away Mm. and help me to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, and many did, I'm sure, I could give you many verses, but the bottom line, the Bible promises whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. So God heard you. God has forgiven you. Jim and Bert, I know we often tell people about, we have a a partner ministry we work with. And if you call, is it 1-800-NEED-HIM? That's right. Look, online, it's chataboutjesus.com. No strings attached. Look, we're not asking you to join anything or we just want to follow up with you and help you now in your walk with Jesus. I was going to say, because what you did was the first step. And I mean that. And But, Bert, you've been a pastor for many, many years. How important it is that the second step be to find a gospel-based church. What you want to do is share this with someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, God has this done in your life. Share it. You can do it by calling that number, 888-NEED-HIM. 
I would share with you two things. Find a church that loves and preaches Jesus. Uh, listen, they're there. They're there. And and associate yourself. You said the key word, relationship. You also need a relationship with people that know Jesus, people that have skin on, real mm-hmm. people. Uh, Jesus always sent them out two by two. He didn't send out a lone ranger. He sent them out That's two true. by two. And it's so important for you to do that. Let me share with you. If I was starting, and this is what I suggest, read the book of 1 John. It's in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Get your Bible. Read the book of 1 John. After that, read the Gospel of John. Read them. Let the Holy Spirit drive this message, this relationship home. He does put a new song in your heart. Amen. He does change things. All right. And also, one last thing. If you don't have a Bible to read, we want to help you. Send us an email to word at AFR.net, word at AFR.net. This has been Exploring the Word on AFR, and you've heard the gospel of Jesus today. Tell someone about Jesus. 